Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to The Ray Taylor Show, where I bring you reviews of the latest movies and TV shows, as well as classic and foreign films. I'm your host, Ray Taylor, and on this podcast, I'll be talking about all things film and television. Whether you're looking for a new show to binge or want to know if that blockbuster is worth the trip to the theater or just want to hear my thoughts on a classic or foreign film, I've got you covered. So join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for new episodes and let's dive into the world of film and television together. On today's episode, I am talking about Fargo Season 5 this show, this season came out, uh, started in 2023, just recently ended in 2024. It's created by Noah Hawley and produced by the Coen brothers, along with Noah Hawley. This stars, this particular season of this anthology show, uh, stars Juno Temple from Ted Lasso. You also have Jennifer Jason Lee. You have David Rizdahl. You have Joe Kiri uh, from Stranger Things. You have Sam Spruill and Dave Foley and John Hamm, among many other great actors and actresses in this in this season of television, uh, which the season is set in Minnesota and North Dakota in the fall of 2019. It stars Juno Temple as Dorothy Dot Lion. A seemingly typical Midwestern housewife living in Scandia, Minnesota, whose mysterious past comes back to haunt her after she lands in hot water with the authorities. Uh, I obviously absolutely love the original film, Fargo, by the Coen brothers. Uh, and when they decided to adapt it into a TV show, I had no idea how it would work or what it would be like. And the first season, I remember being great. But I don't really, I don't know if I kept up with or just fell off. Regardless, I've only seen the first season of the show and never really went back to it. Didn't hear the greatest things about the following seasons. The second season may have been good, but I think there were some rocky seasons in there. Regardless, I fell off, had no reason to go back until I had heard great things about this fifth season. So, because I did like the first season, because I do love the original film, I felt, why not? People are talking, saying good things about season five of Fargo. Let's check it out. The other great thing, thankfully, is that the show is an anthology series. So, each season is its own unique story. Very similar in many ways to the American Horror Story uh, franchise of shows. Um so I didn't have to go back and rewatch anything, didn't have to do any homework, was able to just put on season five of Fargo and enjoy. Uh, and uh, from the first episode, from the very first episode of season five, I was absolutely hooked, instantly hooked. I loved Juno Temple, Juno Temple in Ted Lasso uh, as uh, her character in Ted Lasso. I, I Just a show that I absolutely love, love her character in that one. And uh, not only to see her in this season is great, in the show is great, but to see her kicking ass, her character kicking ass, uh, makes it even more of an addicting show. Which, in the first episode, there are multiple moments where this character is in trouble and she finds a way out. Compared, in the show, her character is compared to MacGyver 
which I found to be very fitting, uh, considering her inventiveness of how she got out of these situations. Uh, but I also love the story. The story in season five is great, uh, in addition to the great Juno Temple. Uh, some great performances as well that would feel, I would say, would probably be over the top if not for the fact that it's uh, the Fargo TV show. If not for the fact that the the kind of uh, the accent of people in that area is a bit cartoonish as well, but uh, not so over the top where it's just ridiculous. I think it's it, it captures that unique flavor that uh, Fargo, the original film, brought, uh, which I appreciate that as well. And it's such a great show. It's inspired me to go back and actually rewatch the well, rewatch the first season and then watch the remaining three seasons that I have not watched yet. Uh, and the goal of that is obviously not just to be entertained by more stories of this franchise, which we'll see how bad the franchise actually gets. But the ultimate goal is to rank each season. Since there are five seasons and I happen to produce a show called Top Five where I normally rank movies in a variety of categories i do love to rank tv shows when it's applicable mainly other anthology shows which many anthology shows like a black mirror or love death and robots each episode is its own self-contained story and i've ranked those before in other shows so this will be the first anthology show this will be the first time not only review ranking when I finally do it, ranking uh, seasons of a TV show, but it will also be the first time I have watched as much to prepare for an episode of Top 5. Because even the crazy episodes where I'm, I'm watching like 20 movies, still not the same as watching five seasons of TV where most episodes are around an hour long. Uh, I don't know what the total runtime is going to be for rewatching all this TV, but I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. And because I'm not reviewing it, I don't have to necessarily pay the same amount of attention as I would if I was reviewing it. I don't have to take notes. Remembering from season to season, season is going to be pretty easy considering it's going to be new stories for each season. So I'm actually looking forward to it. Might be kind of my quasi background show where I'm watching it but not always paying the most attention to it enough to where I understand which seasons I will enjoy more than others and it's you know quasi background I really want to watch these these seasons so all that being said uh this uh this season season five of Fargo has really set me off on a long journey that I'm kind of excited to partake in um you know, so it'll take a while before I actually do that episode of Top 5. But it also might not. We'll see. I Sometimes I can burn through stuff pretty quick. Uh, especially if it's, you know, maybe if I'm working while I'm doing it, I could really burn through it in, in a few weeks. So we'll see how soon I do it. But that is something to look forward to and a recommendation for you to go subscribe to my other podcast called Top 5. Uh, Ray Taylor Show Top 5. And check that out and uh, subscribe to that. Let's take a quick break from the show. Listeners, are you ready to take your experience with the Ray Taylor Show to the next level? Dive into the Inspired Disorder Plus for just $5 a month. 
you unlock a world of premium content that's sure to satisfy your every entertainment and artistic craving. Imagine enjoying The Ray Taylor Show a full week completely ad-free in both audio and video formats. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Get exclusive access to live painting archives, be the first to lay eyes on new releases from the many faces, and enjoy members-only discounts and deals that'll have you coming back for more. With a treasure trove that includes a podcast back catalog of 14 unique shows and over 600 episodes, personal insights through Ray Taylor's own blog, and creative writing to spark your imagination, and an interactive Ask Me Anything section, Inspired Disorder Plus is a feast for the curious mind. Ready to elevate your entertainment game? Head on over to InspiredDisorder.com plus and become a member of an exclusive club. Dive in, indulge, and inspire your senses. Now let's get back to the show. But this season of the show, I think, is tackling some interesting themes. One of the big themes, the major themes, is debt. And the different, many forms of debt, kinds of debt that exist, uh, and how those debts are paid. Uh, while some debts are, you know, not paid, some debts are even forgiven in a interesting uh interesting moments but the the idea of debts in this season is is a big is a big one big theme um the backstory of many of these characters very dark uh you have the mystery of who dots past you know where she comes from what her past is uh we do get uh, the answers to her past Pretty early on, she's not the main mystery, but there is a lot more to her story that we find out towards towards the tail end of the season that gets even darker. And then there's an aspect of the show that is somewhat mirrored in the darkness of another character named Ollie, uh, who is a, a an interesting character, uh, who's, who's the, at least at the beginning, kind of the the villain of the season and a character who for me was confusing for there are aspects of that character that are confusing throughout the season. However, those confusions get laid to rest at the end of the season in a very sat, very satisfying way. Uh, I was so surprised that it was, it not only answered those, the questions that I had and, uh, the confusion that I had revolving around this Ollie character, but it, it, it does it in such a way that I was not expecting the, the, how great that moment is when we finally find out. Uh, but he's a character nonetheless that also comes from a dark past. So they share that in common dot and Ollie both coming from and having a dark pass, as it were. And I also enjoyed the politics of this season. John Hamm playing this character, Roy Tillman, who is a religious fundamentalist slash libertarian sheriff of a small town who's using tax dollars to fund his uh, this private militia and arm his pri this private militia and uh, is somebody that promotes wife beating uh, for educational purposes. So not the greatest guy, but 
definitely represents a type of person, a caricature, sure, on some levels, but a type of person that 100% exists in the country, in this country today. Uh, you also have Lorraine Lyon, who is the matriarch of the Lyon family. She's a billionaire, conservative, obviously, who feeds on debt. One of the major themes of this. Uh, one of the things that she does is she consolidates debt for people. Uh, but knowing that debt is something that is is so difficult to exist without for most people in this country and I'm sure many other capitalist countries uh, where you just you can't afford to survive on the money you make and many people rely on credit cards in order to get by and when it comes to credit cards and the interest rates on credit cards they are the most toxic thing to ever exist in society especially in a society that's that's predicated on capitalism is predicated on businesses having to show infinite growth forever uh it's just it's just absolutely absurd uh but it's also a character that is openly acknowledges that she is above the law because of her money and that the law is only there for the the non the non-wealthy uh it's it's only there to keep the non-wealthy in line uh, but it's not something that should ever be, you know, investigating somebody of privilege and esteem and wealth. Uh, and uh, this character also assumes that everyone who isn't rich is just lazy and begging for help, as most wealthy Republicans do, as most wealthy people do. And I have a, I have a theory about that, aside from this show. I have a theory that a lot of wealthy people who think that the same thing that everybody who's not wealthy that like wealth is a choice that poverty is a choice that people who receive welfare on any level are lazy and don't want to work i think my theory on that is that these wealthy people who are detached from reality in every way right they live in their own bubbles they only exist really within their family bumble, bubbles and then business right but they're not living they have no concept of life outside of their bubble but the one thing that they do see is that their children who are given everything who are basically the welfare recipients of their parents are lazy and don't do anything and don't aspire to anything and are choosing to be lazy and i think a lot of wealthy people base their overarching societal thoughts and assumptions on how their kids respond to growing up privileged and wealthy and spoiled because that's what it seems like they all seem like all of society is somehow acting like their children are and that like people receiving welfare are just lounging around not doing anything like these rich kids are who don't have to work, who never have to work, who never really have to do, who never struggle. Like the idea and concept of struggle doesn't even exist in their worlds because anything, any kind of hardship that they may ever come face to face with generally gets solved with money. They're able to avoid 
the vast majority of of hurdles in life because they come from money um so that's just my little theory on why it's so common for rich people to think meanwhile failed corporations get welfare all the time rich people get government subsidies wealthy people get exponentially more money for doing bad jobs at everything than we spend on actually helping people in need uh it's it's a very ridiculous like there is a welfare system for wealthy people and corporations in this country that does not exist for people who actually need help like there's no real bootstrap bootstrapping going on in this country it's it's just government funding wealthy people wanting to destroy the world in some way whether it's directly or indirectly uh so back to this show the rest of the characters in this show are great ollie like i i mentioned actually reminds me a lot of harvier bardem's character in in uh no country for old men another coen brother film uh anton sugar you know similar bob haircut and kind of has a calm demeanor rarely speaks but uh is intimidating and uh this character ollie a little bit more unhinged which i i like the the added and of course the kilt that he's wearing uh the aesthetic of ollie in this is is a little bit more interesting i would say than sugar but uh characters villains nonetheless which i wouldn't be surprised if this character was in some ways modeled after that considering this show is based on a coen brother and their producers but i think it's more of a nod to uh, the Coen brothers in general. You also have, uh, you know, the North Dakota State Trooper who Dot helps, you know, a good cop, you know, wanting to do the right thing, that rare breed of uh, cop that exists. You know, he's not really trying to change the police department, so he's allowed to live, but he's still trying to do good in the world, which is a very rare thing for police. He's actually trying to protect and serve, which is something that is is sadly missing from majority of of uh, law enforcement these days. We also have the Minnesota police. Uh, this character, she's in debt, right? Again, debt. She's got a husband that's has a dream of being a golf pro, which is one of the the things that is causing her to be in debt. You have Dave Foley in this show, which is great, as the one-eyed lawyer for the Lion family. You have Gator, who is Roy Tillman's son, and a deputy who is very brash and is also, because of his impatience and uh, just ego, ends up fucking up a lot. And, of course, you have Dot's husband, Wayne, who is just the sweetest guy. You want to talk about... There's the the guys who are like the the golden retriever. He is the golden retriever uh, of the show, and uh, he's great. He's great, and uh, just a sweet guy, <laughs> just a really sweet guy. Uh, I love all the characters in this, and seeing how they all, you know, are all in the mix together, uh, different pieces on this chessboard of of a season. Seeing who is on whose side and how people change and grow over the course of the season is great. All the different arcs that are uh, within this season. Very surprising, I would say, for some of the characters to see some of their growth in this. Characters I never would have expected to root for or be on the same side of. 
but in the saying, the, the old saying of the enemy of my enemy is my friend uh, kind of makes that uh, interesting bedfellows in this season, which I appreciate. I was not expecting. Uh, there's also some great action set pieces, uh, a great mystery in this in this season, and uh, some darkness. As I mentioned, uh, characters have some dark past that we are we find out about throughout the course of the season. Uh, but all in all, they are all great ingredients that come together and are put in a pan thrown in the oven at like 350 for like i don't know how long but that pie comes out that pie of goodness that is season five comes out nice and steaming and fresh and uh absolutely delicious and i enjoyed every bite of the season absolutely let's take a short break from this episode listeners if you're an art lover like i am or simply somebody who appreciates unique creativity i've got something you'll adore Dive into the world of The Many Faces, an ongoing series of mesmerizing ink paintings on paper painted by me. Each piece is a captivating blend of abstract and surreal, always presenting a face that tells its own story. The dedication behind this series is unmatched, with new paintings being released every single day. And if you're thinking about owning one, you're in luck. You can start with a 4x6 painting for just $20. And if you desire something grander, there are larger sizes with prices to match. Imagine having an original piece of art infused with emotion and mystery gracing your space. So if you're intrigued, don't wait. Check out the entire collection and get your own at InspiredDisorder.com. Own a piece of creativity that truly stands out. Now let's get back to the show. But with all that said, I do want to talk about spoilers. I want to get into details of this show, uh, things that happen, certain episodes, great moments in this season, all the things that I don't want to tell you because they might spoil you. So if you have not seen season five of Fargo, go on over to Hulu and check it out right now. I highly recommend it. It's a great season of tel television and it's only one season. You're in, you're out, you're done. You don't have to watch any more Fargo if you don't want, but it's a, a great season. Whether you're a fan of Juno Temple as I was from Ted Lasso or just a fan of the, the film Fargo and you've never dipped your toes into the show, or maybe you did and you, you fell off when the, sh the episode seasons got bad. Either way, uh, I'm going to be talking about spoilers, so if you don't want to be spoiled, here's your warning. Uh, you have, right away, we know, in the first, ep first episode of this show, is episode one is ridiculous. We're introduced to Dot, our main character, one of our main characters, played by Juno Temple, right? And right away, we know she, we see she has a past, right? She's in this, uh, she's in this, uh, she's getting... Her fingerprints taken. She's brought into prison because there's a uh, fighting erupts in a school board meeting over library money that wants to be spent on getting new books for the library. And as we know, I mean, first off, this takes place in 2019. As we've seen over the past few years, uh, the types of people and the types of things that are happening to school libraries the banning of books so many bannings of books the so much so that florida recently banned the dictionary because it defines sexual activity i believe 
I forget what the reasoning is, but it's just it's absolutely ridiculous in some of these red states where books are being banned primarily because they acknowledge ways of existing in this world that aren't straight, white, and Christian. Anything that goes against what they consider to be the norm is uh, generally considered controversial and thus banned. Uh, and then they pretend like they're not actually banning these books, which is ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous, uh, the the level of denial these delusional people are in. But that's, you know, we don't see what the inciting event is, but we do see the beginning of this season starting off with a melee taking place inside, inside of a school board meeting. And during the chaos, Dot pulls out her trusty taser, accidentally tases a cop that approaches her from behind. She didn't know it was a cop. You know, mistakes happen. So she gets brought in to be fingerprinted and all that stuff, and she's very concerned. So right away, we know that she's got a past. But we don't know. Is she a criminal? What is her thing? You know, we don't know. But she's got a past. Very interesting way for it to start. Um, and she's also, we see that she's not a fan of her husband, who constantly goes to his mom, who's the billionaire, uh, for everything. She doesn't like that. Uh, you know, she wants to handle everything herself. She wants to be self-sufficient and independent. She doesn't want to have to rely on her husband's mom to do anything, to fix things. Uh, we also have Ollie, the kilted killer. Uh, you know, the guy who literally ate the debts of his former, I don't know if it was master or baron or whatever it is in, in, uh, in the UK hundreds of years ago where he eats the debts of his master. Another reference to debts, the theme of debt in this, in this uh, show. And uh, I was confused. Part of this character, one of the parts of this character that I was confused about is, is he literally from hundreds of years ago? Which I believe, yes, is the answer to that. Which we get the answers to a lot of this at the very end of the season. But it was confusing watching it. And then also, he kind of just moves into this old lady's house and I was confused of if he just moves in, just forced his way in, or if it's a situation where it's his mom. Like, I didn't know the dynamic between them, right? If he was just, like, impromptu squatting in this place. Uh, and then there's the scene, I think, on Halloween where he's smearing himself with goat's blood on himself. And it's like, was that in the past or was that currently? We find out that, that was actually in the present day. Uh, he found the dugout for Roy Tillman and took a goat in there to sacrifice and smear the blood on his on himself. So that aspect of this season was confusing, but not enough to take me out. It's just like I don't get what's going on with that character, aside from the fact that he's really intimidating, right? This silent killer who walks and is like, has like morals right he he has he, he he knows when he's being taken advantage of he knows like he kind of has respect especially he has respect for dot towards the end 
uh, but an interesting character nonetheless. Both of those characters, very interesting, and seem to be on the same level. There's a mutual respect between Dot and Ollie uh, that forms throughout the course of this this season, which is interesting to see how that culminates at the very end. Um, but yeah, episode one, just an epic episode. Seeing Dot go full badass mode first with the home invasion when Ollie shows up to her home uh, along with some other guys thinking that it was going to be an easy job getting this woman and not realizing that that Dot is a tiger uh, and uh, he should have been compensated more and uh, educated before going into this situation um, but her escaping from the home invasion is great uh, then you have her escaping again from the car uh, and going to the gas station, helping the cop out. That whole scene with the in the gas station, her throwing the ice on the, the floor in the bathroom, hitting the guy in the face, and he slips on the ice and smashes his head on the thing, using the the uh, aerosol can at home to like as an impromptu flamethrower to like really maim one of the bad guys. Just some awesome stuff that happens in that first first episode. Her putting the oil on the floor to make them slip when they come in through the, the door of the the gas station. Great. Like the those opening moments were intense. And to see how badass Dot is, another aspect of this first episode that's like, okay, she has a past. Like, was she an assassin? Like at this point, I'm thinking, is she like an assassin or something like that? Didn't don't really still don't know what her past is, but like such a great first episode. Like if you if you're not hooked by the first episode of the show, I don't know what's wrong with you. I do not know. I can't understand how anybody could watch the first episode of this season and not get absolutely hooked. Obviously, maybe you don't like violence or something like that, whatever. Uh, but in general, I would say general audiences would get hooked. Then episode two, we're introduced to Roy Tillman, the sheriff, which is kind of a badass scene. You got John Hamm in this hot tub just overlooking this vast, empty, untouched land. Absolutely gorgeous. Would love to live that kind of a lifestyle where you just have this super open empty land and you just got you can just go out just and just soak in the hot tub and and take while you're smoking your cigar and take it all in pretty amazing we also see his son gator who is just the the most he is he is the guy that has the punisher logo on his phone he has he he refers to himself. I mean, these aren't literal things of the character character traits, but these are things that I could easily see Gator being having as traits. Like he is the type of guy who would have the Punisher logo as a deputy cop, right? He would be the guy who refers to himself as the alpha male. He would refer to anybody who doesn't refer to themselves as an alpha male refer to them as betas right he is that kind of a just douchebag conservative type of a of a guy and both they're both like hardcore libertarian guys 
right? Despite the fact that they are the government, they have this delusion that they, as Roy Tillman's taking, using tax money to arm a militia for, you know, wasting tax dollars to, like, give weapons to this, like, military cosplay group known as militia just you know there's people that are doing that in this country that's why they're obsessed with the second amendment because they think their delusional brain like their nine volt brain thinks that if they own enough ar-15 that somehow they're going to be competition for the united states government or the fbi or just police departments in general which is just absolutely insane, you know, because like tanks exist, you know, jets exist. Like there's there's a lot of just bombs, drones, like military drones. Like there's a lot of things that like those militias that think they're all badass and they're going to be the 19 next 1776 or whatever. Right. The, the MAGA Republican Party, basically, uh, who if ever tried to do it would fail just as they did January 6th because they're all cosplaying as military people. They're not trained. They don't know anything. Some of them maybe have that background, but they're still, they're, they've got, they, they're detached from reality enough to where they can't, they can't square, you know, can't make things happen. Regardless, episode two, we're introduced to the sheriff. Uh, we also have episode three, you have, um, we see Gator stealing evidence, like just doesn't care. Just like clearly acts like he owns everything cause he's a deputy. He's got a gun. He's untouchable. Right. But sets up for episode three sets up for the Halloween home invasion, um, which is great when there's like a montage of. You have Dot and her daughter doing these crafting projects to booby trap the house because she knows that it's a matter of time before, you know, Roy sends his goons to try and get her. So she's booby trapping the house. And then you see, you know, Gator and his crew getting strapped up to go execute this plan. And all the while you have the song Smack My Bitch Up by uh, uh what is that band from the 90s smack my bitch uh, prodigy <laughs> the electric uh the the uh edm band of the 90s uh which i loved <laughs> i liked i liked uh prodigy at the time great great song to 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 have play for this moment as we know that Dot is a badass, so it's like you have these guys th- probably would be listening to this song if it wasn't a needle drop where it'd be like, oh, smack my bitch. Like they're getting ready to go smack this bitch up. But then when they go realize they're dealing with a tiger and that bitch is going to smack them up instead, it's great. Uh, episode four is when you have the whole Halloween home invasion. And, of course, they're all wearing Nightmare Before Christmas masks, which I found to be delightful uh i don't it's just they're all like uh coordinated wearing different nightmare before halloween christmas masks uh which i enjoyed a great episode episode four 
episode five, you have uh, this David Attenborough kind of style voiceover as she's escaping this mental institution that she gets put in. And it's all about her that, you know, she's the lion and, you you know, you don't want to corner the lion because she's always going to find ways to escape. Uh, it's a great, great episode. And you have the mom, you have, you know, the matriarch of the lion family and the sheriff meet. Uh, and she hits him with the best takedown of his political beliefs, the political beliefs of. Uh, and she's, you know, she's a conservative. She's an old school, like Republican conservative. Uh, but her takedown of the liber- libertarian beliefs about him fighting for freedom without responsibility. That's what he's fighting so hard for is freedom without responsibility. Right. They want ultimate freedom. They don't want to have to be responsible for anybody else or anything else. Right. The environment, other people, society in general mean nothing to them. They just want to have their own freedoms and everybody else can fuck off, right? And she's like, you know, there's only one thing that exists that has freedom without responsibility. And one of Roy's guesses is, oh, the president? Like, No, dummy. You still have, first off, you don't have ultimate freedom as the president. And you have a lot of responsibilities, now, there's some presidents that don't seem to acknowledge their responsibilities. That's very true. We've gotten a big example of what that looks like in the White House. But uh, that's not it. The only thing that exists that has freedom without responsibility is that of a child, is that of a baby specifically. right? A baby has freedom without responsibility. And these libertarians basically are fighting to be babies and i love that she points that out and you can see how it hurts him it hurts his feelings because she's right because she's right part of being a human being on a planet with other human beings is that there is a level of responsibility you need to have for at least your actions so it's uh and my experience with libertarian my personal experience with libertarians is that they also act like babies in i mean not only are they fighting to have the life of babies freedom without responsibility but they they act like children a lot of times uh they also in this in this episode they they end up leaving the she ends up leaving the ki- her kid with uh the cop the woman cop uh whose husband is delusional about being a professional golfer um which is a great moment when she leaves the kid there um then you have episode 7 you have basically what seems to be a dream. I don't know if the whole episode, but she dot thinks that she goes, finds this battered woman cult, uh, who make marionettes in order to move past their abuse and to give themselves new names and all these things. Right. But in this moment that is not real, we see, Roy's previous wife before Dot. Um, we get in this episode, we get more of Dot's past. We get the darkness 
of Dot's past as told through marionettes. We get to, we find out that she was a, basically adopted by Roy Tillman and their family at 15, right? Gator around the same age as her when Roy and his wife adopt this girl. And we find out that the wife would leave town, go on a trip, and leave Roy with the kid, knowing that he was going to sexually abuse this child, right? Basically, this dad figure abusing this 15-year-old child. And, of course, Gator probably there seeing it happen, knowing that his dad is molesting this girl that's his age. And then not only that, later on, the wife... I don't know if she disappears, dies, gets killed, and then Roy marries Dot, who used to be this 15-year-old girl that he would rape. So now Gator's, what would be like a stepsister, is now his mom. That's the type of family. First off, that's the type of kind of family dynamics that are sadly all too common in certain parts of this country, especially in parts where you have conservatives fighting for adults' ability to marry, like, 13-year-olds, which is literally something that's happening in 2024. You have conservative politicians fighting for an adult's ability to marry a child. At 13. It's disgusting. And it's a reality. Because they do this sort of thing. This isn't like some completely out of nowhere fictionalized scenario. And there's so many examples of it. And it's like these politicians who do it themselves, who like marry these people that they first met when they were children, when they were the politicians themselves were adults. But these these women that they they later marry, they first met and started relationships when they were children. And they don't have any problem with it. It's like, yeah, we you know, she was 13 when we started when we were together the first time but now we're married and we're both adults so it's okay like they don't see anything wrong with that they don't see anything with wrong with like grooming the, the literal grooming of children which also happens in religious uh in christianity as well and other mormonism all, most all religions are groom people but the active groomers tend to be ones that are tied to Christianity in some way. And it's hilarious. There's a lot of great moments in this season. There's a moment early on in the series in the season where the Lion family pose for a Christmas uh, picture and they all are given assault rifles to pose with to show their strength, which, of course, we've seen over the past few years how every Republican f Christmas photo is filled with assault rifles because that's, it's really what they worship. <laughs> it's not like 
this fictional birth of a guy who wasn't even in in their fictional book wasn't born on December, but they needed to take Christmas away from the pagans in order to make it a Christian holiday. Same thing with Easter, which is by far the most stupid holiday. Both pagan holidays. Both have nothing, no correlation with their fictional book of the Bible. But even in that, it's not what they're celebrating. They're celebrating their their guns. They're celebrating tools that were specifically designed to make eliminating life effortless. That is the thing that they worship. The thing that ends life effortlessly. <laughs> That's what they worship. Uh, it is absolutely insane. Uh, I also love the first moment where Dot's at home watching TV the first episode and Ollie shows up wearing a bag of like a burlap sack with eye holes cut out and just walks up to her back door or whatever. And she's just seeing it mouth agape and just like, what is going on? And this guy shows up to the, the window and just opens up the sliding glass door. Cause it's not locked. This is a small Midwestern town. Uh, pretty terrifying. And it's all windows, so it's like you can't. There's not you can't hide in that house. It's not like somebody's got to peek in through a window to see if anybody's there. Like it's you have a transparent house. It's also another great moment where it's Dot and the mom at her kitchen table, and the mom is like going in on her, and Dot stands up for herself. She's like, "Listen, bitch." Like, you want to come at me, you better be prepared to come at me. I love that moment. I love that moment so much. Just putting people in their place who, like, effortlessly talk down, as her mom, as conservatives tend to do to people who are struggling, talk down. They think they're in, they're superior to all beings. Wealthy people, They many of them think God anointed them with, with money, and that's why they're... Because God says they're special. So they feel enabled and empowered to talk down to everybody. And Dot's like, listen, you don't know me. Whatever you think your power is because you have money, if we wanted to rumble, you're dead. Like, you can't, do, there's nothing you could do that would come close to the hell that Dot has crawled out of on her own. So I love that moment. Absolutely love that moment. Another great moment, which I mentioned earlier, the quote-unquote craft project with the daughter booby-trapping the home, stripping wires, breaking up light bulbs to glue to doorknobs, uh, making a, a na putting giant nails into a bat, uh, a zombie killer bat. Loved that, you know? How the this Midwest mom is like, let's do a craft project, and all their crafts are like, like uh, you know, uh, more destructive than uh, Kevin McAllister in Home Alone. Uh, another great moment when the cop brings the file to the mom, right, and offers like she's like, listen, you need to understand who this woman is because she's not what you think all people are, that she's just lazy and looking for a handout. She hasn't asked you for shit. She's handled all of this on her own. She's escaped from them. 
She comes back acting like nothing has ever happened. She's trying to protect the, the your son and your granddaughter throughout this whole thing. You should be thank you should be on your knees thanking Dot for all that she's doing instead of looking down on her and talking down to her and thinks that she's just some lazy person looking for a handout when the cop gives her the and then she gives the cop offers the cop uh, head security job which is you know kind of a nice thing allowing her to get paid a really good salary to get out of this debt but then you see the mom going flipping through her file through dot's file and just seeing the brutal abuse that she went through at the hands of roy right really seeing what she put up with and escaped kind of bringing this billionaire back down to earth and showing this person what what life is really like There's another great moment when, <laughs> towards the end, this delusion that these militias have and these Second Amendment nuts have that they're like, "Oh, we're gonna take on the military. We're gonna we're gonna overthrow a, a tyrannical government as if we're not already existing in a tyrannical government." Like, open your eyes, you stupid fucks. But the moment where Roy calls in the cavalry, he calls in his mili militia posting the live video with his fancy camera like we gotta you know speaking in like in like military lingo you know to rile the troops up all these like you know cosplaying military guys and how they drop the ymca the village people's ymca song as all these cosplaying military dudes pull up in their you know, their Jeeps and their trucks and all that. I'm surprised they weren't flying 100 American flags off the back of them. But uh, to hear YMCA... I just want to take you to YMCA. As, like, all these militia guys are showing up with all their cool guns that the, the taxpayers bought for them. But these welfare queens, these welfare military cosplayers that can't buy their own weapons they have to siphon tax dollars in order to fund their little little militia party absolutely hilarious uh and i love how effortlessly they get shot turned down right they get a little the fbi shows up with a, a few actual trained soldiers and uh you know it's not like the military had to even use their they, like the technology that the u.s military has wasn't even needed they went they just went old school let's just put a few we'll do man on man right we'll be your guys with guns versus our guys with guns and guess what happens they all pretty effortlessly get shut down which would happen in every situation there's never going to be a situation where a militia is going to win against the modern military. It's not going to happen. Just it's like to think that's going to happen is just the most absurd. It's just the the level of delusion that happens when you own toys to them. When they they think that if they buy a weapon for for military use 
that all of a sudden they're going to be trained and experts. Like they watch action movies like John Wick, like they're training, you know? Oh, I could do that. Oh, yeah, I could do that. Sure. Uh, I also love the turn of the mom, the matriarch of the Lion family, when she sees who Dot is and shows, like, towards the end when she comes home, when Dot comes home, and the mom finally shows her love, right? Just kind of amazing. Was not expecting that character to be so sympathetic all of a sudden. And then when we see that same character who all of a sudden gives Dot love, when she later drops the bomb on Roy, who's in prison, to tell him what his true punishment is, and something that only a billionaire can do, setting up this like cover of a debt consolidation thing for prisoners, but also giving these prisoners money for their commissary so they can buy their necessities. But it's basically this billionaire bought off all of the prison, all the prisoners in the prison Roy is being held at in order to make sure he's beaten every day that he's there to suffer all of the pain and suffering that Roy put dot through. It's, it's, it's so crazy that at the end of this season, I am sympathetic and cheering for a billionaire conservative. <laughs> but it's, you know, this billionaire conservative actually did a good thing for once. Um, so, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't think it's all that. It's the most fictional aspect of this season, I would say, is the billionaire doing good things. Um and having respect for somebody who actually stands up for themselves and is independent and hardworking. Uh, yeah, that was a great moment to see. Yeah, he's he's does he thinks he's badass because he's in prison and he actually like like he's a guy who wants to be a baby, wants freedom without responsibility. But then when he goes to prison, he's like, I love it. I get to hang out with all the white supremacists. I get fed every day. I don't have any responsibilities. It's the no responsibilities that he really likes, not the freedom. Uh, it's just not, it's just, he's able to be as selfish as he wants to be in prison. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I loved my best, my favorite aspect of this season was the end. Uh, when Ollie goes to the lion's house, right? Dot goes back home from grocery shopping and her husband Wayne is sitting in the living room with Ollie just off camera, right around the corner. But you know he's there. Before you see him, you know he's there. But we get, in this moment, we get more of Ollie's story. We kind of get confirmation that he's he's actually been around a long time, right? When he ate the debts of his 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 master or whatever hundreds of years ago. He's just existed for centuries and is all about debts being paid and that. And so I love that we get his backstory. I also love, uh, I mean, it's so suspenseful, this moment. And the whole time, like the whole, when they're sitting there and they're talking in the living room, you get a sense that Dot is not intimidated by this guy. She's 
not like her husband who's cheerful and like you want to pop all that stuff he's like the golden retriever but she's like kosh there's a there's a mutual respect that exists between dot and ollie that i appreciate in this moment right and the whole time I'm just waiting for him to be invited to dinner, right? That's the whole point. She got the groceries. They're going to be making some dinner. And eventually, not only does he become basically a member of the family in many ways, he gets brought in for dinner, offered the pop, offered a beer when they start making dinner. But the moment when he washes his hands, she's like, we're going to start making dinner. So you can either wash your hands and help, or you can get out of here and we can handle this another time, right? Cut to the slow motion of him washing his hands. Seemingly the first time he's washed his hands and metaphorically him washing his hands of all of the things that he's done in his past, right? There's a metaphorical sim- symbolism to him washing his his hands as well. But I cheered when I saw him washing his hands in slow motion. Then we see... Right. The whole season about debts, how those debts are repaid. And in the moment we see the power when a debt is forgiven and when he takes a bite of the biscuit that he helped to make and the smile. Which seemed like the first time Ollie had ever smiled in his life, how He was using muscles in his face that he's never used before. The smile that Ollie gives is so perfect. Like, I absolutely loved how this uh, season ended. Getting Ollie's backstory, the mutual respect that they have for each other, Ollie and Dot, and him breaking bread with the family, and him finally finding some joy, allowing that relief of the debt being forgiven amazing loved it so much perfect ending to this season uh you know i so happy they ended with uh you know filling in the gaps with ollie that was great never expected it to be so emotional at the same time funny like the like it's such an emotional thing to see him enjoy this biscuit but it's also hilarious to see how horribly he is horrible he is at smiling it he almost his smile almost seems like those cuts that you see with Ron DeSantis who's got the super dry mouth and all of his things and you see how he tries to smile very similar like these are two people Ron DeSantis and Ollie these are two people that have never authentically smiled in their whole life and to see them try and use those muscles in their face that they've never used before is just absolutely hilarious um Uh, and seeing Ollie share as much as he did with Dot's character, I mean, characteristic-wise, but also his past, you know, both people are forces to be reckoned with. There's a mutual respect that they have, that they share over Biscuits at that end moment. Uh, I also never expected to root for a conservative billionaire <laughs> in this show. I root for a conservative billionaire at the very end. Um, that person has to change. It was not the the opening version of that that woman. Uh, but seeing her give uh, Roy his ultimate punishment, absolutely great. 
you know, only something a billionaire can pull off. Also seeing her our show dot love and respect at the end was great. Like realizing that she's a strong, independent woman who was actually protecting Lorraine's son and granddaughter. All that stuff was great. Uh, finding out Dot's past, first being a foster child, uh, you know, of sorts for Roy, and then becoming his wife. Um, and then also just seeing it puts into perspective the interactions that Dot has with Gator. Like when she sees him in her home in the first uh, in the uh, Halloween home invasion, it's like well, they clearly know each other. And she tells him, like, shame on you. And it's like, oh, we d- we don't know their past yet. That they are, in essence, like brother and sister in a lot of ways. Uh, it's so brutal. The end when Gator finds out that his dad uh, thinks that his life is pointless now that he lost his eyesight. Absolutely brutal. Um. All the while, the FBI, knowing the big picture of what's going on and kind of effortlessly shutting everything down when it first, when that the the civil war as the militia thought they were going to be igniting, uh, just kind of instantly gets gets uh, ended. Like the delusion those who worship the Second Amendment have thinking they can overthrow the government because they have some weapons is absolutely hilarious, right? They didn't even need to use tanks to shut them down. Um, And a great song as well. Uh, A great season that has inspired me again to go back and watch previous seasons in order to rank the different seasons of the show on my show Top 5. Uh, no idea when that will be, uh, when I'll be able to finish watching them all. Um, so go subscribe to Top 5 from the Ray Taylor Show now if you want to check that out and the other episodes. They're fun. Uh, but I want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode of the Ray Taylor Show. I do hope you enjoyed my thoughts on Fargo Season 5. Don't forget to tune in on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for more movie and TV show reviews. And join the conversation by leaving a comment or rating on your favorite podcast platform or over on youtube.com slash inspired disorder. Until next time, enjoy the show. Subscribe to The Ray Taylor Show on YouTube and everywhere podcasts are found. Binge the full week ad-free over at inspireddisorder.com slash plus. Purchase Ray Taylor Show merch over at inspireddisorder.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace out! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.